All right. Good evening, church. Make sure everything is working here. All right. So, I did not get the memo about the bald head, uh, the shaving. Um, you know, that memo wasn't given, and there's a lot of pressure with me preaching the very last sermon of the year. So, as we go into the lesson, let us pray. Father God, we come to you thanking you so much for this amazing day. Um, just being able to end out the year, God, with each other. God, I'm so grateful for this entire year, just being able to, to shed so much light in our lives and in different places where we needed it, God. So much growth in the areas where we need it the most. And God, I pray for next year. I pray that this can be a year that we grow even more in your love, God. That we can grow in our love with each other. That as we accept Jesus as our Father, that we can continue to strive for the goal in which it's ahead. Lord, I pray that you really speak powerfully through me, God. And I pray that the message is, di is deeply bedded into people's hearts and we can all walk away really understanding something different today, God. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So today's lesson is going to be talking about uh, Jesus, the everlasting Father. You know, when I, when I got this lesson, I really didn't look too much into it. And then as, as, the, as the week started to come along, I was like, okay, Jesus, the everlasting Father. This is awesome. It's encouraging. And it took me back to, you know, when I first came to California, um, and I was with my dad, you know, talking about the father. And I'm like, man, my father, who's actually here today, uh, right here in the front row. And it took me back to all the different lessons that my dad taught me. One of the lessons being, if you do it right the first time, you would never have to do it again. All right? That's one. Okay? As I got older, there was more lessons to be learned. And another lesson that my dad taught me, I'll never forget the lesson that my dad taught me about never giving up, okay? So I used to play football at the Westchester High School football team. And I remember sitting there, and I was like, man, I don't want to play football anymore. This is, I don't like the team. Our team is just losing every game. And you know what, man? I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit. So I called my dad up, and I was like, okay, great, okay. Whew. All right, all right. You just got to talk to him and tell him that you're going to quit. You got to be bold about it, though, because when you be bold about it, he, you know what? There it goes. He'll just say, okay, I support you. Because my dad's always supported me in everything that I've done. So I've been really encouraged. I'm like, man, my dad's going to support me. Let me go. So I'm like, all right. So I called him up, you know, called his number. Hey, Dad, how's it going? Everything's going well? Yeah, yeah, I just, you know, just got out of football practice. And, you know, I've come to the conclusion that, that, that football wastes a lot of time. It takes a lot of my time, God. And you know what, Dad? I, I was really thinking about quitting the football team. And before I even finished, like, the football team little part, my dad was like, what? He's like, look, you're never going to quit anything that you start. And I was like, ooh, he said that, like, legit. Like, there's no way I can get out of this one. You know, and I remember that valuable lesson he teached me and telling me, like, look, anything that you start, son, you need to finish. And today, you know, I asked myself the question when I'm looking at this, the Jesus, the everlasting father, you know, how important is it for us to have a father? As you guys know, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, and when I lived in Memphis, I lived with my mother, okay, growing up and that whole time, and it was a, it was a blast. I, I'm sure I can tell you more about it later. 
Um, but as I came to California, um, I had to live with my father. All right. And so when I live with my dad, I, my, I hear my dad tell me all the time that, you know, there's things that I'm going to teach you that your mom can never teach you. And I was like, OK. All right. OK, I'm down with that. Let's do this. And so as we went along, my dad would teach me things and he would show me things, things that women can't show men. And that's how to be a man. No offense. I love my mom and she she rose me the best way she could. But there are certain things that she just could not teach me. And so how important is it for us to have a father? Well, I looked up a lot of stats, and um, 63% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes. 43% of children live without a father in the United States. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. You know, the people of this age are calling this generation the fatherless generation. So many of you guys can relate to what we're about to talk about tonight. Because we're going to talk about how Jesus is our father. And, to, and going into through that, we're going to look at a lot of things that are theological. Because looking at that, you have to understand the entire trinity, right? But I'm not going to go so deep into it. I'm not going to give you guys a very deep, lengthy, because we can go forever about these things. But what we're going to talk about is how we really need Jesus as our father in this generation and in our lives as Christians. And so, you know, the great thing about being raised or even being in the church is that we get an opportunity to break the cycle. You know, um, the cycle of, of these, these, all these percentages that tell us that, hey, look, um, you know, your dad and, you know, you're not, you don't have a dad, so... So 60% of the chance you're going to create suicide and all these different things. And, you know, bunk the, the stats, bunk all things that are being said. We really get an opportunity to break the cycle as Christians. Many of us grew up in fatherless homes. We grew up without our fathers, without our dads being there. And so I asked the question, so how important is it for us to have a father? It's so important that God said, I will provide you one that will last for a lifetime. I will provide a father for you that lasts forever. And so thinking about that, thinking about all the times where we think about, man, like, like I don't have my dad or I don't have this, I don't have that. Jesus says, I will stand in that gap. That I will hold you and comfort you. And I will be your father. Isaiah 9, verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Wow. Just that phrase alone, Everlasting Father, when I think about that, I think about affinity. I think about heaven. I think about things that last forever, things that go on the circle. I think about so many different things when I hear that phrase, the everlasting Father. It brings a sense of comfort to us. 
to know that there's someone that God is going to give us that will never perish, that will live forever. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about Jesus, breaking the cycle. Kind of skipped ahead there. Skip that. I like this thing. So wait. But Jesus says he is the only one that can reveal the Father to us, right? So Jesus, being the Father, he talks, about, he talks a lot about the Father. He talks about, oh, yeah, I'm going to reveal you guys the Father, and, you know, no one can come to the Father through me, and all these different things. And he talks about it in a sense that's like, well, are you the Father or are you not the Father? But Jesus is indeed the Father. It says in Luke 10, 22, it says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. You see, a lot of times, we as humans, we can get this thought like, well, you can't be two places at once. If so, work would be a lot easier because you can be in your bed. And you can also be at work. Okay? Um, a lot of things would be a lot easier if we can be two places at once. So we don't really, can't really wrap our minds around that a lot when we think about being in two places at once, being two people in one. But Jesus is that. Jesus is the Son, and He's also the Father. The things that Jesus did he did it to prove that he is our father. That we are his children. Amen? So, we're going to be looking at Jesus being God. i got a few scriptures here. In John chapter 1, verse 3, how about you guys turn there with me? All right, it says in verse 3, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Keep going. In John chapter 20, verse 28. It says again, And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. He was talking to Jesus. 2 Peter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. So, so Peter here is talking about Jesus and saying that Jesus is God, our Lord. 1 John five twenty. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true by being in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So the Scriptures plainly and clearly state that Jesus is not only the Son of God, but He is also God in the flesh. People in the first century church 
looked at Jesus as God. And that's clearly stated. And that's about as far and as deep as I'm going to get tonight about the theological points of Jesus being God, okay? Yeah. Couldn't hear. All right, so. So Jesus being the Father, all right? Okay, that's that's a typo there. It says, that hit means he, all right? So look at that. (laughs) Hit fits. No, it doesn't work there. So it's supposed to be like a little power statement, like, he fits the model of a father better than anyone else who ever lived. When I think about the, the, the models that we have as fathers, you know, I love the model that I had as a father. That. <laughs> My dad, I felt like, was the best dad that ever lived. Okay? And I can tell you guys that no matter where I was in the world, if I called my dad, he's going to be there. Okay? No matter where I call him to be. One time, me and my best friend, um, my best friend John, we were hanging out, and he had just got his driver's license, okay? And so we were just hanging out, like, yeah, this is fun, this is awesome, you're driving. And he was driving his dad, like, brand new Audi or something like that. It wasn't his brand new Audi, it was just his new Audi. Okay, um, and so we're driving down the street, we're driving down Century Boulevard, close to LAX, and we're kind of driving, and then all of a sudden, you know, we start hearing this noise in the back. Like, back at the bow, pow, cool. <laughs> and you start hearing this, like, this deep rolling in, in, like, the back left corner of your car, and you're like, I was like, ooh, ooh, dude. I was like, that don't sound too good. I was like, oh. And so I'm like, oh, man, dude, I think you need to pull over. He was like, nah, man, we can make it home. I was like, look. You're not getting on that freeway, and we're not going to make it home. Pull over. So I, I talked him into pulling over, and he was like, man, what happened? We, look at, we get out, we look at it. It's like, oh, man, this is a flat. And I was like, dude, what are we going to do? <laughs> because you think about it, we got his parents, Audi. If you guys know what an Audi is, an Audi is a very expensive, luxurious car. We have his parents, Audi, as a flat tire. We're on Century Boulevard, and we're hanging out, and we're like, Oh, man, we're two little teenage little guys. And I'm sitting there like, man, like, wow, what do we, how can we do this? Like, okay, all right, I know my dad always talks to me about fix-a-flat. Maybe if we find some fix-a-flat, we can fix this tire and get home. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, I'm going, I'm going. I'm about to go get me some fix-a-flat. So I go out, and I'm like, we're going to the store. It's like 20 bucks for this can of, like, fix-a-flat. If you guys know what fix-a-flat is, it's like this little, you guys know what it is. I need to explain to you. But fix a flat. And so we get it, we spray it in, but when we were spraying it in, it just starts leaking out, like all juicy, like the tire is now like this, this rubbery, burnt, juicy little crisp thing. And I'm like, dude, man, you need to call your dad. I'm telling him to call his dad. And he's like, man, my dad's going to kill me. I was like, well, we can always call my dad. <laughs> so I called my dad up. I don't know what we were doing. I don't know why I didn't change the tire. But my dad came, <laughs> and he changed the tire. I don't know what we were doing. I can get a little more clear on that story. But he came. He called. I called him. I was like, Dad, this is where we're at. We're on the corner of this and this. I don't know where we're at. But he's like, I know where that is. I'm on my way. I'm like, okay. Amen. You know, my dad's like a walking encyclopedia. He's like Google Maps. He's like everything. I'm telling you. Like, if I'm lost somewhere in Long Beach, I will call my dad and tell him, hey, Dad, I am on the corner of, um, right here on Delamo and Lakewood. I'm looking for the Lakewood, it's on your right, 
Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you guys, it's just crazy how my dad is. You know, and I'm thinking about all these different things. I'm like, man, I look back on my childhood. I look back on the last, like, 10 years. I'm like, man, my dad was awesome. He did a lot for me. Every time I would go to lunch, he would give me $20 for two days. It was just amazing. I would just get money all the time from my dad. <laughs> you know, all these different things. The, the, the model that my dad set for me as a man of, you know, of a father and a man of integrity was mind-blowing. A lot of people ask me, Greg, how did you, how did you, I, dude, I'm just following what my dad told me to do. He told me, always keep your word. He told me to do this. He told me to do that. He told me to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing what I said he told me to do. You know, and, and that really means a lot to me. But when you look at that and you think about Jesus, and you think about the same example that Jesus is willing to set for us, those times that, man, I remember I was with Jesus this one time. I was having my quiet time on the rocks over there. I almost slipped. But then all of a sudden, the rock came out of nowhere. And I, you know, Jesus, you know you can make your stories up. Jesus put that rock there to help me. I didn't slip, and instead I kept praying. You know, those, those are minor stories, but even the big stories about how maybe, maybe, maybe Jesus entered your life, and he changed it for an eternity. How he came in and he rescued you right at the right time. He saved you from all the drugs, all the immorality, all of the dirty work that you used to do. Jesus says, no, you know what? I'll, I'll take that. I got that. I'll take it away from you. Like I said, I don't know why I didn't change that tire. But my dad said, I'm going to change that tire for you guys. Or you know what? No, he made Jonathan do it. <laughs> That's right. You're the great delegator. There he goes. He got up. He didn't do anything. He sat there and he watched my best friend change his tire. That's why I didn't change it, because he wanted my best friend to do it. Okay, that's good. That makes more sense. But even then, just, just thinking about all the things that my dad taught me, all the ways that my dad taught me how to survive, you know, teaching me how to eat certain foods and, and doing certain things, you know, it was just great. But Jesus is the same way. He sits down and he's patient with us. So my first point is that Jesus, he redeems. He redeems. What does redeem, redeem mean? Do something that compensates for poor past performance or behavior. Hmm. In Titus 2.13, you guys can read it on the screen with me. It says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God, and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. You know, it says the apple doesn't far, fall too far from the tree. And so Jesus here is depicted as a redeemer as the God and Savior, the one who takes us from all wickedness and purifies us. I know the holidays, a lot of times the holidays can bring a lot of wickedness, can it not? You're with your families, you're with people that you're not normally with 365 days of the year. Sometimes we're even alone for hours at a time. 
and wickedness can just come upon us. Things can happen. But Jesus says, no, wait, look. I'll take you. I'll redeem you for your poor behavior. I will compensate for your performance. And I'll purify you. I will make you new. Completely different. Every day. Not just at baptism. Not just when you're doing good spiritually. But even the moment you choose to change and repent, Jesus says, I will make you new. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a great father we have in Jesus? The Redeemer. He redeems. I think about the times that I really needed redemption in my life. And Jesus clearly filled that role. Very quickly. The moment I was willing to get on my knees and beg for Jesus, he filled that role immediately, without haste. I mean, without delay. Thank you, Jewel. He redeems. Another thing Jesus does that he creates. A father also creates. You guys don't know. The only way that we all got here is by a father, right? That's another lesson I will not go deep in. Colossians 1:16. For by him all things were created, talking about Jesus. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thorns or thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Wow, what a powerful creator we have in our Lord. He's created everything for himself. Okay, I'm going to teach you laugh over there. But he's a creator. He created us. He knows us the best. He knows how we function. We may think that, man, no one knows me. I'm so alone. I don't know what's going on. Jesus knows us. It's crazy because, I, I mean, even flashing back to my dad, I mean, my dad knows me. I would do something, and I wouldn't say anything about it. And somehow my dad would say, you did that. Huh? He just knows me. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you're right. I don't even lie. I'm like, yeah, yeah you, you're right. I did do it. Yep, my bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that's just how fathers are. They just know their children. They know them. Fathers can attest in this room. You know when your kids wake up, the first thing they're probably going to do. When they wake up, they start walking out. Don't you go in that video game? Oh, damn. You know what I'm saying? Go brush your teeth. Wash your face. Oh, man. You know? It's something that God put in us. As parents, we just know our kids. I mean, I don't have any kids. But there you go. Sometimes I look at the campus ministry and I can say, these are some of my kids, I guess. In a sense, in a kind of a theological sense, <laughs> I would say. But yes, he is the creator. Let's move on, all right? He also ensures us an inheritance. Hebrews 9, 15. 
It says, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Wow. An eternal inheritance. When I think of eternal inheritance, I think of heaven. I think of being able to see Jesus or see God, sit on his lap. I think about those things. Being able to sit there and just ask as many questions as I want to as if I was a kid again. I hang out with kids sometimes, and I used to work at an after-school program, and I had to work with the kindergarten. It was like for extra money. Like you get to work with the kindergartens for like an extra hour. It's like, oh, yeah, I get an extra hour if I work with kindergartners. That's cool. I can do that. So I would go in, and I would go, and I would sit with the kindergartners. I would hang out with them, and they just ask a thousand questions times ten. I'm sitting there, and then the questions have questions. It's like, was I like this? I'm pretty sure I was. But an eternal inheritance, heaven. Do you guys know that Jesus, your father, has stored away an inheritance for you when you die? Isn't that cool? No one else on earth can do that. No one who's ever lived can give you an inheritance when you die. An inheritance that will last forever. How powerful is that? Wow, Jesus, he ensures us an inheritance. He sits there as the mediator of the new covenant. He's the one that dishes out everything, saying that you get this, you get that. And he wants to share everything he has with us. Wow, what a great father. I can think of so many times when my dad personally has shared so much with me. I would take his food sometimes. I would eat his stuff. I would take his clothes sometimes when I could fit him. Hey, got these shoes for my dad. Hey, but these ain't going to heaven. All right? Next point. What are a few of his qualities, okay? So as a father, each father has a few qualities. And these are just a few of his qualities, okay? A few of Jesus' qualities. He's compassionate. Whoa. Oh, I guess I didn't save that part. Oh, well, I have it right here. So, He's compassionate. 2 Corinthians 1, 3. You guys can write this stuff down. I'm just going to go through this, okay? I'm not going to even say the scriptures. I don't have a lot of time. But Jesus is compassionate. Many times in the New Testament alone, it's, it always mentions Jesus looking on the crowd with compassion. He walks into a large crowd and immediately has compassion on them. Now, I'm pretty sure the crowd was just doing their own little thing, going from day to day, doing whatever they're going to do. But he's seeing straight through them. He sees the deepness of their sorrow. He looks them in the eyes and he sees that they're lost and they need something. He's a comforter. 1 Peter 5, 7 talks about cast all your anxieties onto me. Or onto him, I'm sorry. Casting your anxieties. Because he is the only one that can comfort us. The way that we truly need to be comforted. I mean, we can go to people, or we can get comfort from people sometimes. But there is an, a deep itch in your comfortability that only Jesus can satisfy. He gives good gifts, Matthew 7, 11. 
He lays down his life for his children. John 10, 11. The good shepherd laying down his life for his sheep. And the number one thing that I think that was so amazing that I, I get an overwhelming sense when I look at Jesus sending out the disciples and how much he trusted the disciples, I can see that Jesus believes in us. We may not even believe in ourselves. We may not even understand how great we can really be. But Jesus does. He sees it. He looks at every single one of us and he says, hey, look, I believe in you. You will be great. You will help others. You may not even see it. You may not even know it. But I know it. I believe in you. What a great father we have in Jesus. These qualities we have in our father. And in closing, I want to ask you a few questions. What areas in your life are you reserved in going to the Father for? Are there any areas that you feel like you're not really willing to go to God? I know the one guy that really calls me a lot, very high, to that standard is Michael Clark. If I lose my keys, he's telling me to go to God. I mean, I know you're, you're, you know, you're supposed to and stuff. That's, that's really good. But you, in the moment, you can get like, where's my keys? You're just looking. You're flipping the couch over. You're doing all these different things. And he's like, hey, bro, um, have you prayed about it? <laughs> and he does that little smile. You know what I'm talking about. He's like, have you prayed about it? And I'm like, I look at him. And my heart, I want to look like, Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Only if you get that. You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, all right, fine. I will almost definitely pray about it, bro. You got me. We're in the car driving. Hey, let's pray. We're just driving, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? I can get that way sometimes. But I can lose sight of that. But I know that I need to be called to that standard every time. And he does it. Are you allowing Jesus to comfort you? I know this year, a lot of us have lost family. I know this year, a lot of us have lost jobs. Every year is filled with loss. We lose something. And there's one that can sympathize with you, for sure. You don't have to second guess. It's Jesus. He can comfort you in those times. Does the way you live your life acknowledge your dad's sacrifice? And your tithe, and your prayer, and your life, and your family. Do the way you live acknowledge the way that your father sacrificed for you on the cross? Do you live your life thinking about the cross? You know, one time we were in a training meeting, and um, you know, Kevin Mayne put together this this ministers and training program, which is very awesome. It's after church every Sunday. Most of the time, how you see people that you don't see normally, and they're outside maybe, um, young college students. And we come in, and one time we had a lesson about prayer. And he was saying that God should constantly be on your mind all the time. And I thought about that, and I was like, like, <laughs> I was like, increase my faith. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, my, my short attention span. But when I think about it, it's so true. When I think about it, do I think of the cross before I make decisions? 
do I think of the cross before I say I'm going to go do this or do that? In 2013, I want to make it my, just my resolution to think of the cross as I make decisions, as I move forward in my life, as I continue to count the cost. What about you? What are you inclined to do? Jesus is your father. Jesus loves you. And in reality, I think that's why we're all here, right? And so I'm so grateful for all you guys. Um, Thank you for letting me share my lesson with you guys, just my thoughts, and have a good night.